Hello everyone and welcome to episode 51 of the Unlocking British English podcast, a podcast where I talk about a variety of different topics in real British English so that you can improve your listening comprehension, learn a little bit more about British culture and about how to learn languages more effectively. My name is Shane and in today's episode we're going to be doing something a little bit different again. Uh, we're going to be taking the ultimate language quiz. Uh, so this is not a quiz about a language in particular, it's not a quiz about English, it's a quiz about languages in general. I'll tell you a little bit more about it and how it's going to work in just a second, uh, but before I do, first of all, just a couple of quick things. Uh, firstly, thank you very much again to everyone that sent in questions for episode 50. Uh, if you haven't already listened to that episode, go and check it out, it was good fun, we did Ask Me Anything, I was answering some of the questions that you guys sent in, so that was really cool, so thank you again to everyone that sent in questions. Um, as always, if you would like to download the transcript for this episode or any of the other episodes, then you can do that for free on the website. That is www.unlockingbritishenglish.com. And yeah, if you would like to ask me questions in general or if you have any suggestions for topics that you would like to hear me talk about on the podcast, uh, feel free to get in touch. You can contact me through email. You can contact me on Instagram. The details will be in the description box wherever you are listening to this podcast. So. For today's episode, like I said, we're going to be doing a language quiz. So this is not a quiz that I made up. In fact, let me just clarify. A quiz uh, is like a set of questions, right? Um, different questions that you have to answer, just in case anyone's not aware. So this isn't uh, a quiz that I have made up. I found this on the Babbel website. Some of you might be aware of the application Babbel, B-E-B-B. Sorry, B-A-B-B-E-L. Uh, it's a language learning app. You can learn different uh, languages on that. This is not a sponsored podcast, just for your information. Uh, I have no affiliation with Babbel. But I found this quiz on their website because they also have articles and different things. Uh, and I thought it would be quite cool to do on the podcast for today because it's something a little bit different. But it's also a little bit interactive. So I'm going to read through the questions. I'll read them out. Uh, and each question is multiple choice. So there's four potential answers. So I'll read out the question and then I'll read out the answer. So obviously I'll talk about my thought process as I'm thinking about the answer. But you guys can also think about what you think is the answer. And then when I tell you which is the correct answer, uh, we can see if you did better than I did. So yeah, that's what we're going to do today. So let's jump into it. There's 20 questions. So it shouldn't take us too long. Should be interesting. So yeah, I will also leave the link for this quiz in the description for this podcast. So if you want to check it out your if you want to do it yourself, uh, then you can do that. So let's test our knowledge of the world of languages with Babbel's ultimate language quiz. So um, yeah, let's get started. So how much do you know about the world's languages? So question number one, about how many languages are there in the world? So how many languages are there in the world? How many languages exist? So our four options are around 700, around 3,000, around 7,000, or around 18,000. So how many languages are there in the world? This is difficult. I definitely don't know exactly, but to be completely honest, I'm leaning towards the higher numbers. Uh, I think around 7,000 seems seems right to me. I think 18,000 is too many. 
7,000 is going to be what I'm going for. So how many languages are there in the world? I'm going to guess around 7,000. Uh, okay, so I was correct, 7, 000, around 7,000. So it says, it's hard to get an exact count, but estimates say there are about 7,000 languages in the world, though the number is decreasing fast. Okay, interesting, yeah, so around 7,000 languages. Um, that is a lot of languages. I definitely do not know most of those languages. Um, okay, so let's move on. Second question, so question number two. What language has the most speakers, including both native and non-native? So what language has the most speakers, including people that speak as a native language and including people that speak it as a second language? So our options are Hindi, Mandarin Chinese, English or Spanish. So immediately I know it's not Hindi and I know it's not Spanish. Um, I know there are a lot of speakers of both Hindi and Spanish, but it's not the most spoken. I think that the, the language with the most native speakers is Mandarin Chinese, but the question says including native and non-native speakers. So I think English is probably the most spoken language if we're including non-native. So I'm going to go for English. And I was correct. Okay, so English has the most with 1.1 billion speakers. Oh, sorry, 1.132 billion speakers, followed closely behind by Mandarin 1.117. So, okay, yeah, it's very close. I guess, yeah, because of we're including non-native speakers, English just edges Mandarin, and then Hindi and Spanish behind that. Okay, so two for two so far. We're doing, we're doing well. Let's see how we go. Okay, so number three, what language has the most native speakers? Okay, so this is very similar. We have the same options, so Hindi, Mandarin Chinese, English, and Spanish. So I'm pretty sure this is Mandarin Chinese, so I'm going to go for that straight away. Okay, and I was correct. So Mandarin has the most native speakers with 917 million. Spanish moves into second with 460 million and English in third with 379 million. So English is the most spoken language in the world in total, but as just native speakers, English is only third, the third most spoken language. Okay, very interesting. I wouldn't have known that. I didn't know that Spanish had more native speakers than English. It does actually make sense now that I think of it, but I would have guessed wrong there. So, okay, so yeah, Mandarin has the most native speakers. Cool, three for three. Let's see how long we can keep this streak going. So question four. Which of these factors can contribute to whether something is considered a language or a dialect? Oh, I don't know. This might be a bit difficult. So what are our options? So option one, politics. Option two, mutual intelligibility. Uh, mutual intelligibility means how well it can be understood by different speakers. Um, Okay, so no, option three, historical status. Option four, all of the above. Okay, I think that this one is going to be all of the above because I think deciding whether something is a language or a dialect is very messy and very difficult. Uh, I think a lot of the time it is actually political, but I think the answer here is going to be all of the above because I think all of those things can factor into whether it's considered a language or a dialect. So I'm going to go with all of the above. 
Uh, okay, and I was correct. So the boundary between language and dialect is very blurry. So any number of factors can contribute to something being considered one or the other. Okay, yeah. Yep, that's basically what I thought. So yeah, I guess that's, that's that. So if, question five. Which of these languages uses the Latin alphabet? The Latin alphabet, like the same alphabet as, uh, okay, is English. So Thai, Indonesian, Japanese, or Ukrainian? So Thai from Thailand, Indonesian from Indonesia, Japanese from Japan, Ukraine, Ukrainian from Ukraine. So this, I think, is Indonesian. I know that Thai has its own script. I know that Japanese has its own script. And I'm fairly confident that Ukrainian is written uh, in Cyrillic. So I'm going to go with Indonesian. Okay, and I was correct. So, Indonesian is one of the few Asian countries that adopted or was forced to adopt the Latin alphabet. Yes, I don't know much about Indonesian, the language, or Indonesia, the country, actually, if I'm honest. Uh, but I imagine it was more that they were forced to take on the Latin alphabet. Uh, okay, okay, so, question six. Which trio of languages is the most mutually intelligible? Okay, so again, mutually intelligible, meaning uh, speakers of these different languages can understand each other when they speak their own languages. It's understandable between the people. So which trio of languages, which three languages is the most mutually intelligible? So we have option one, Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish. Option two, German, English, and Dutch. Option three, Spanish, Italian, French. Option four, Mandarin, Hindi, Japanese. Okay, so I don't know a lot of these languages, so I'm going to have to do this by process of elimination. So the first, let's start with, um, well, we've got German, English, and Dutch as one of the options. Now, as an English speaker, I can't understand German and I can't understand Dutch, so I don't think it's that one. Um, Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish. These are uh, the Scandinavian languages. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say that these languages are very mutually intelligible, that speakers of each of these languages can fairly easily understand each other, so it might be that one. Uh, we also have Mandarin, Hindi, and Japanese. It's definitely not that one. Um, I know maybe some parts of the writing system between Japanese and Mandarin are similar, historically at least, uh, but I'm pretty sure that Hindi has very few links to either of those, and the spoken languages are all very different. So, uh, And then finally, we have Spanish, Italian, and French. Now, I know that Spanish and Italian are very similar, um, I can understand a little bit of Italian as someone that's learned Spanish, but I can't understand much French. So I think by process of elimination that the answer is Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish, that those are the three mo most mutually intelligible languages. So let's see. Okay, and I was correct again. So uh, while these languages have their surface differences, so small differences, uh, the people who speak these Nordic tongues, these Nordic languages, are generally able to understand each other. Okay, very interesting. So yeah, I would imagine there's, you know, of course there's different vocabulary and things that are different. They're different languages at the end of the day, but 
Ah, that's quite interesting. So I guess if you were to learn one of those languages, it's quite good value for money in terms of, you know, you you can already start to understand some of those other Nordic languages if you're interested. So, okay, so far I'm doing well. Six for six. So let's move on. Question seven. What is a tone language or a tonal language? So our options are a language that uses vocal pitch in any way, a language that uses vocal pitch to change word meaning, a language that uses vocal pitch for emphasis, and a language that does not use vocal pitch at all. Okay, um, so the pitch is kind of like the the tone. Um, uh, the, yeah, I guess, well, I guess the, the way we choose the answer will kind of help us to understand what a tonal language is, because that's the question. So, um, our first option, a language that uses vocal pitch in any way. I don't think it's that, because that's very random. I don't know how that would work. Um, the second option, a language that uses vocal pitch to change word meaning. I feel like it's going to be this one. A language that is considered a tonal language would be one that uses different tones, right? Different pitches, uh, different variations of a similar sound to change what a word means. That's 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 my guess so far. But let's just check these other two. A language that uses vocal pitch for emphasis. I don't think it's that because uh, I think most languages, you know, can use a change of pitch to emphasize a word. If I uh, use a word in a different pitch. Uh, I don't know why I would do that, but that would emphasize that word. And in a language that doesn't use vocal pitch at all, that doesn't make sense. So I think that a tonal language is a language that uses vocal pitch to change word meaning. I think that happens in Mandarin, for example. Okay, I was correct. So while all languages use vocal pitch to some degree, tone languages like Mandarin, okay, yeah, Thai and Yoruba, I think Yoruba is an African language if I'm correct, use vocal pitch to change a word's meaning. Okay, a single word can mean something entirely different depending on how high or how low you say it. Yeah, this is something I was somewhat aware of with Mandarin. Uh, if they have the different tones, and, I th and I'm pretty sure there's an example where there's one word, and if you pronounce it one way, it, it means mother, and if you pronounce it another way, it's a it's an animal, maybe a donkey or a cow, I can't remember exactly. So if you're not careful, you could call your mother a donkey or a cow, um, uh, or something like that in Mandarin. So, okay, interesting. So let's move on. Question eight. What language family do English, Yiddish, and Norwegian all belong to? Okay, so I think being English, maybe this gives me an advantage, but I'm fairly confident with this one. I'll read out the options anyway. So our options are Romance, Germanic, Dravidian. Oh, Dravidian, I don't know what that is. And Semitic. Okay, so the answer I'm almost 100% sure is Germanic. So I'm going to go with Germanic and I uh, correct. Yes. Okay, so all three of these languages and dozens of others descended from a single Proto-Germanic ancestor. So yeah, a long time ago, all of the languages, uh, all of the speakers of those three languages all spoke the same language, basically, all came from the same place. Very interesting. So uh, question number nine, which language is the common ancestor for all of the Romance languages? Okay, so I'm pretty confident with this one again. Our options are Romanian, Proto-Italian, Volga Latin, or Hellenic. I don't know what Hellenic is. Um, so, Romian, 
sorry, not Romian, Romanian, Proto-Italian. I don't actually know exactly what proto means, but I think it means something to do with like before this sort of, you know, before what we know know it as now, older Italian, but like a lot older, not like from a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, Vulgar Latin, Hellenic. I don't know what Hellenic is, but I'm fairly confident here all of the Romance languages, so these are languages uh, like French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, Romanian, um, Catalan, uh, those, the main languages that you would think of in Western Europe. Um, and so, yeah, those all come, I think, from Vulgar Latin. So I'm going to go with that. And yes, I was correct. So if you trace back all of the Romance languages, which include Spanish, French, Portuguese, Italian, and dozens more, they're all descended from vulgar Latin, or Latin for most of us, so yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I know that Latin is still quite a popular language to study. It might not seem like it, but because it has a lot of uh, there are a lot of universities that teach Latin. Uh, it's still studied by quite a lot of people. Uh, a lot of schools as well teach it in some places. So, um, yeah, I know that there's a lot of people that say if you learn Latin, you, you've got a big head start in learning any of the Romance languages because obviously they all come from there. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I would ever learn Latin, given that it's currently uh, not a living language, there aren't any living native speakers, but who knows in the future. Anyway, let's move on. Question number 10. Which of the following is not an Indo-European language? This might be a problem because I'm not exactly sure what Indo-European means, but I do know what European means, so let's see if that helps me. Okay, so which of these, which of the following is not an Indo-European language? Afrikaans, German, Bengali, Korean. Okay, Afrikaans, German, Bengali, and Korean. Hmm, this is difficult. Which of these is not Indo-European? I, I really don't actually know. Um, I, I think German's probably not the answer. Um, but Afrikaans, Bengali, Korean, none of those make me think of Europe. In, but again, I don't know what Indo-European means. Okay. Here, I'm going to guess, guys, otherwise I'm going to be here for ages. So I'm going to go with Korean, because that's just what my gut is telling me. Uh, so let's see. I'll click on Korean. Okay, I was correct, so I got lucky with that one. The Indo-European language family is a massive grouping of languages spread throughout Asia and Europe. Okay, so I shouldn't have thought just about Europe. Um, all of which come from a common Proto-Indo-European Korean is the sole surviving member of the Koreanic lan language family. Wow, okay, very interesting. So Afrikaans, German, and Bengali all come from uh, the Indo-European language family, but Korean comes from its own language family, the sole surviving member. Wow, okay. So learn something new today. So, uh, question 11. What do you call a language that didn't naturally arise through linguistic evolution, but instead was manufactured? Okay, so what do you call a language that didn't naturally arise, but was instead manufactured or created? So, option one, artificial language. Option two, conlang. Option three, jargon. Option four, argot. Okay, so artificial language could possibly be that. Conlang, um, that would be 
the that's kind of like the mixing of two words that would be constructed language. Um, jargon. It's not jargon because jargon. Uh, hmm, I don't know if I can explain that exactly, but jargon is kind of like difficult words uh, surrounding a certain subject. So, you know, technical words to do with programming, for example, uh, that would be like computer jargon. Um, I don't know what argot is. So I do actually know the answer to this one. It's not artificial language. It's actually conlang. Um, so I'm going to click on that. And yeah, that was correct. So... Um, people have created conlangs for any number of reasons, from trying to create a universal language to embellishing a fictional world. So, yeah, um, constructed languages or conlangs could be something like Elvish, for example, or Klingon. They come from Lord of the Rings and Star Trek, um, respectively. But there's also conlangs like uh, Esperanto, for example. Some of you might have heard of that. And that was a language that was created to try and be like a universal language, a language that everyone around the world could speak. Uh, hasn't really been successful so far, but uh, yeah, people make up languages for all kinds of reasons. Interesting, but they're called conlangs. Okay, so question number 12. Where do historians believe the earliest writing comes from? Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, I don't know if I've said that right, Egypt, India, or Crete? Okay, so here I'm going to have to guess. Mesopotamia, I think it's pronounced. Um, I know that word, I know that name, but I can't picture on a map where that is uh, because it doesn't, I don't think... Oh, I'm not 100% confident, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't exist anymore. Now I'm thinking about it, I'm not confident in my geography skills. Um, but because all of the other countries, Egypt, India, and Crete, because they all exist, because I've heard of those, I'm going to go with Mesopotamia. Although Egypt could be Egypt. Mm, I'm going to guess Mesopotamia. Uh, oh, okay, I was correct again. Okay, so it says, while it's hard to determine where exactly writing started, most historians agree that Sumerian cuneiform from the 4th millennium BCE, okay, so somewhere that I can't pronounce properly, 4,000 years before the Common Era, is the earliest example of a writing system. Okay, so something like 6,000 years ago is where apparently writing started. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Um... Mm, okay, so let's move on. Question number 13. What does it mean to be a dead language? So, option one. There are less than a hundred speakers of the language. There are no living speakers of the language. There are no living native speakers of the language. Or the language is indecipherable. Indecipherable meaning uh, people can't understand it. They can't yeah, they can't understand it. So I think here that the answer is there's no living native speakers of the language. It could be that there's no living speakers of the language, uh, because then there would be no speakers of the language in general. Um, oh, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Maybe it's that. Yeah, there's no living speakers of the language. Um, because a language can die and then be brought back to life, so to speak. Because I think that's what happened with Hebrew. I think that Hebrew was a dead language and then it, it, it was brought back to life and now it's a language again. So I'm going to go with there are no living speakers of the language. That's what makes it a dead language. Ah, I was wrong. No, should have gone with my initial gut. See, I said that earlier. Go with your gut. So the correct answer, a dead language is 
any language with no living native speakers. And an extinct language is any language with no speakers at all. Ah, okay, so there's a distinction there between a dead language and an extinct language. Okay, uh, so for example, the difference, uh, the dinosaurs are extinct, um, but uh, Abraham Lincoln is dead. Right, there's a difference. Um, okay, so cool, I was wrong. So that was my first wrong uh, answer so far, so I'm still doing okay. Let's move on. Question number 14. Which formerly dead language was successfully revived to become a popular living language? Okay, I think I know this. So our options are Hebrew, Latin, Sanskrit, and Old Norse. Uh, so here I'm going to go with Hebrew. I'm fairly confident that is the right answer, and I was correct. Yeah, so while there are people who learn all four of these languages, only Hebrew is a living language. It's spoken widely in Israel, where it's also an official language. Okay, so people learn Latin and Sanskrit and Old Norse, that's like Old Norwegian, um, but Hebrew is the only one that is considered a living language. Okay, interesting. So, question number 15. Which of these countries has at least one legally official language? Which of these countries has at least one legally official language? That's a weird question. I'm not sure if I understand. Okay, the options are the United States, Australia, Mexico, and Canada. Which of these countries has at least one legally official language? So at least one. So maybe the key here is legally official language. Um... So, the United States, Australia, Mexico, and Canada. So, I know, well, so for example, they speak English and French in Canada, um, officially. Mexico, I think the only official language would be Spanish, but I know that they have other languages that are uh, from before the when the Europeans came and, 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 and took over. Uh, Australia... Do you know what? As a random guess, I'm going to go with the United States because I'm I'm curious about the use of the word legally and I'm wondering if maybe because the United States is a newer country, maybe they don't have a legally official language. Maybe that's it. So I'm going with the United States. Nope, I was wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, it says Canada was the correct answer. Both French and English are official languages of Canada. The US, Mexico and Australia are in fact the only countries without legal official languages. Ah, okay. Um, oh yeah, now that I've thought about my thinking that my answer didn't even make sense. So, okay. Um, so in, it's in fact that the United States, Mexico and Australia don't have legally official languages. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Okay, so my second incorrect answer. Okay, question number 16. Which country has the most official languages? Hmm. So our options are Switzerland, Zimbabwe, South Africa, and Spain. Hmm. I don't think it's Switzerland. It could be Zimbabwe. I don't think it's South Africa. I think there might be different languages spoken in South Africa, but I think the official language, uh, official languages, aren't there aren't that many. Um, and then Spain, again, I know that there are various languages spoken within Spain, but I'm not actually sure which ones are classed as official languages of Spain. 
I am going to guess Zimbabwe because I don't know exactly. Okay, I was correct. So, official languages are decided by the governments of each country uh, and are primarily used to decide what languages government documents need to be translated in. Zimbabwe has 16. Wow, okay. South Africa has 11. I didn't think they had that many. That's interesting. Uh, and Spain and Switzerland both have four. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, I wasn't quite sure about that one, so that was a lucky guess, but Zimbabwe has 16 official languages. Wow. That must be complicated. Okay, so we're nearly at the end. Uh, question 17. English has subject, verb, object, word, order. Oh god, this is grammar, so I'm not in for a good run here. Okay, so English has subject, verb, object, word, order. For example, I, subject, love, verb, cats, object. Okay, so what's the most common word order across all languages? So, subject, verb, object, like it is in English, so I love cats. Object, subject, verb, cats I love. Verb, subject, object, love, I, cats. Or subject, object, verb, I, cats, love. <sighs> I don't know, to be completely honest, and even looking at all of these options, that's really confusing. <laughs> um, I, I don't think the way that English does it is the most common, so I don't think that it's subject, verb, object. Um, I am going to go with... Mm, I am going to go with... Sub... Mm. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go with object... No. Ob yes, I'm going to go with object, subject, verb. So in this example, that would be cats I love. I have no idea. I'm completely guessing. Okay, I was wrong. Uh, so subject, object, verb. Okay, so I, cats, love would be the standard variation. Okay, so about 40% of all languages are subject, object, verb. The least common of all is object, subject, verb, which accounts for only about 0.3% of all languages. Okay, so that is what I would call linguistic jargon or grammatical jargon. Fancy words about linguistics and, and grammar that I don't really... Well, I understand what the words subject, object and verb mean, but it all is it's confusing to me. Anyway, moving on. Question 18. Grammatical gender is a way that languages classify nouns. Some languages have no genders. Some languages have two and some languages have far more. Which list orders languages from least to most grammatical genders? Okay, okay. so which of these lists uh, goes from least genders to most genders? So, English, German, Spanish, English, Spanish, German, Spanish, English, German, German, Spanish, and English. Okay, so we've got English, German, and Spanish in all four of these. And so what we're trying to do is figure out which of these languages has the least amount of genders and which amount, uh, has the most amount of genders. So I know that English doesn't have genders for nouns. Uh, I know that Spanish does. I think that German does. I know that Spanish only has two, they just have male and female, 
I don't know if German, sometimes they have neutral. I think that maybe they do. So I think the answer is English, Spanish, German. And it is correct. Okay. So English has no grammatical gender. Spanish has masculine and feminine. And German has masculine, feminine, and neuter. Yeah, that's pretty much what I thought. So cool. Okay, moving on. Question number 19. When two groups of people who speak different languages meet, they'll need to devise a way to talk to each other. What is this newly formed language called? Okay, so option one, a pigeon. Option two, an argot. Option three, a creole. And option four, a jargon. Hmm. I don't know. So I've I know, I've heard of Creole, but I don't think that Creole is 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 this. I think that's something different. Again, I don't think it's jargon. I've heard of a of the word pigeon. It's spelled differently to how the the animal is spelt. Um, an argo. I don't know what that is, but I think maybe it might be that just because I don't know what it is. I'm gonna guess an argot. And I was wrong. It was a pigeon. Okay. So a pigeon is not considered a full language because it usually has rudimentary grammar, so basic grammar and vocabulary. If the pigeon evolves and get pa gets passed down to a new generation, it becomes a creole, which is considered a full language. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I did not know that any either. So that's something else new. So final question. Which conlang or constructed constructed language has the most speakers. Okay, so which constructed language or made-up language has the most speakers? Dothraki, which is from Game of Thrones. Klingon, which is from Star Trek. Volapuk, Volapuk. I have no idea what that is, sorry, uh, for anyone that knows what that is. Uh, and Esperanto, which again I mentioned was made by a guy not that long ago, um, yeah, to be a universal language. Hmm, so I don't think it's Dothraki, because I think that Game of Thrones is still quite new, there's probably not that many people that speak it. I don't think it's Esperanto either, because I don't think there's that many people that speak it. Do you know what? I think it might be Klingon. I've never heard of Volapuk, or however that's said, so I don't think it's that. I'm going to guess Klingon. Ah, I was wrong. Okay, so Esperanto. So, whilst estimates vary widely between 63,000 and 2 million... Oh, wow, okay. Um, Esperanto undoubtedly has the most fluent speakers of any conlang. Okay, maybe that was a silly choice of me. Uh, but that's a big range, so they, the estimates say that there's between 63,000 and 2 million Esperanto speakers. Um, I thought it was a lot less than that, so okay, apologies to any Esperanto speakers if you're listening to this. So yeah, okay, so I got 15 out of 20. Um, so it says, good job. Looks like you're well on your way to becoming an expert, blah, blah, blah. Cool, okay. So, yeah, 15 out of 20. Not so bad. Maybe not an expert, but uh, I came close. So, um, yeah, let me know how you guys got on. Did you get the same answers as me? Did you get less than me? Did you do better than me? Get in contact uh, on Instagram or through email, whatever. The contact details are in the description box wherever you're listening to this episode. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you found this somewhat interesting. This has been a, a longer episode episode so hopefully it hasn't been too boring for you but uh, yeah thank you guys for listening I hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to speaking to you again in the next one